Welcome to the Home Team Podcast. Welcome to the Home Team Sacramento Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto, and with us today is a former Sac State football player and an entrepreneur and host of the Fill the Gap Podcast, Cody Allen. What's going on, man? What's up, man? I, I promise that I didn't wear this Sac State football long sleeve by design. <laughs> I just happened to be wearing it when I was working outside today, so hey, works that's out. All, that's all good. All right, let me ask you this, since you brought it up. Are you one of the guys that that is just constantly repping? Uh, Sac State, or like, I mean, you say it all the time with the guys in their colleges and stuff like that. And some guys don't want to do that at all. What's what's your take on that? No, I should be better at it. You know, um, I actually just got the Sac State logo tattooed. This oh, logo really? tattooed on my calf. So I guess I am technically repping it all the time now. There you go. But, uh, I should definitely be better about it. Um, for most people, um, regardless of your. I guess say so your playing career, how illustrious it was or lack thereof. Um, <clears throat> there's so much, there is so much that you learned and will learn at your college, whether it be good or bad. Um, you got to wear this stuff proud, you know? Um, so I need to get better at it. I need to go buy some more stuff. I need to be a better alumni. <clears throat> Something that I've actually talked to like their um, director of player personnel about, you know, just being more involved. Uh, I missed alumni day because I was, out of town for work. Um, Got it. but, and then my buddy Cyrus Murtalo, he just won the long drive competition. I think yesterday, two days ago, that's awesome. um, those are like the alumni there. So I need to just get be better about being an alumni and that goes for all the other Sac State alum. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. Well, I'm a, I'm a Sac State alum and I could definitely, uh, do better. I obviously I didn't play, uh, I didn't play sports. I just talk about it on a podcast, but, um, yeah, that'd be huge, man. I imagine that they would love to have you involved more, not just because of, you know, you know, we'll talk about in a minute what your experience was playing at Sac State, but obviously you're super successful now. And I think from, you know, it's, it's gotta be a, a great, a great, uh, it's gotta be a great picture for a, like an athlete who's maybe they know they're not going to go to the next level and they know that, you know, their senior year is coming up. It's the end of the road and they're looking into the future and they're like, wow, what do I do now? Like, I'm not going to play football like I do every single day. And they can see, they see a, a dude like you. It's like, oh, there, there's a, there's a, a really awesome life that could potentially be waiting for me if I, if I take the right steps. So I imagine that's a huge part of why they want you to be, you know, there. Yeah. Yeah. No, most definitely. And especially because like, uh, I mean, I've offered internships and whatnot through my companies. Um, cause a lot of kids or guys, the grown men, you know, young men, uh, they are looking to get into like the digital space and whatnot, or they're, they're better at me than, right. Like, these kids are better at social media. This dude, Xavier oh, yeah. Mason, he's a receiver at Sac state. Uh, he started making TikToks, I think during the quarantine or something. And he's posted an overtime in sports center every single, all the time. This really? other kid, um, Dewey, I don't even know his name's like Distrue or something like that. He's a kid out of St. Mary's Stockton. Um, he did during COVID, he did this like a uh, run race challenge. And he went viral on TikTok and sports centers posting them, wow. overtime's posting them. So, yeah. so these Sac State kids definitely know what they're talking about when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, but um, yeah, no, I think that from an alternative standpoint in regards to, all right, you're not playing football, 
what else are you going to do type thing? Um, I am not the poster boy by any means, especially for Sac State, but uh, there's a lot of people way more successful than me. But uh, I am somebody who is trying to figure it out every day, you know? Um, so yeah. I enjoy... I enjoy having these conversations with the program um, and however I can be involved. I've talked to coach Taylor, I've talked to Gary Wolf and I'm like, Hey, like, let me come talk to the guys. Like, uh, and I, there's a, like a point zero something percent chance that you go to the NFL at all. Mm -hmm. And it's even smaller at a small school. So, you know, it's, it's obviously this being four to five years of our life. um, It's a very small fraction of, grand scheme of your life, but it, it shapes so much of who you are as an individual. So I'm obviously an advocate of taking what you learned here, translating it to whatever comes next in your life, whether that be your playing career, your professional career, personal career, personal life. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I, everything inside of me wants to jump into that and just jump into all of this. Cause I have so many questions about what you just said. I'm going to, I'm going to try to be a professional podcast host here and, uh, and start here. Let's start here before we get into all that stuff. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know you or is not aware of, of who you are and your background, tell us a little bit about your athletic background and then and maybe any coaching that you've done um, and what's led you to the point you're at now. Um, so athletic background, I come from a small uh, recruited area, Sonoma County, California, <clears throat> uh, Roanoke Park, California, if anybody has ever heard of it. And uh, I was your just trying to learn the game type of kid when I, I originally went. And I didn't start playing football till high school. Um, and I was recruited by a lot of one double A schools, some one A schools, um, out of high school, got scholarship offers to a handful of places and decided to go to Sac state early on, um, before my senior year even happened. Um, which is interesting because, uh, I guess actually we'll kind of get into that later, but I decided to go <clears throat> to Sac state before it ever happened. Um, went to Sac state and, I talk about this in a, in a book that I wrote actually. And oh, what's, um, what's the book called? I got it right here. It's called forever athlete. I co-authored oh, nice. it with a ton of other people. I wrote a chapter of it myself. My chapter is called fill the gap. Um, talks about my, <clears throat> the whole premise of the book is essentially how you take what you've learned as an athlete and you don't lose that throughout the rest of your life. Right. And you take all of those principles and philosophies and things that you've learned. Um, and you take those and you just use them in your professional career, your, your personal, your relationships, whatever it might be. Um, nonetheless, I talk about the ups and downs of being, um, a young man or young woman getting recruited in sports. And for my, for me rather, um, I started at the bottom, right. Didn't know anything about football quickly took to the game over the next four years, rose to the top. I was the best player, one of the best players in my high school or in my area. Um, And you are a top dog, right? Newspaper every week. Um, Everybody loves you except when you lose a game. That's why you just don't do it. Uh, (laughs) uh, Getting recruited, you're getting all this notoriety, all this love. And then you go to the, go to the next college level. And so I went from playing quarterback and safety to playing linebacker vastly different positions um, from a physicality standpoint, even a mental standpoint. Um, so I went from being top dog to being the little scared dog trying to figure it out. Right. Game was so fast. You got linemen in your face immediately. Um, and so that takes a sh- crushing blow to your ego and your confidence and ego are 
supremely important when it comes to the game of football. So then I creeped back up towards that, towards my playing career in college. And uh, then you, you get reps, you start to become, you can become a starter, you know, and then you creep back up and then <clears throat> I faced an injury in college. Um, but most people, you get back up to that point and it's like, all right, cool. Does the NFL want you? And then some people, you are a highly touted recruit, you get drafted, whatever it might be. And then that's a whole different animal that I've never faced myself. Mm-hmm. Um, or you have to go through the undrafted free agent route and you're the low man on the totem pole again. I went the opposite direction and I truly believe that it's just because I wasn't good enough, you know? Um, and I just jumped into my career. Um, from a playing standpoint, <clears throat> always loved the game of football. So much so that I'm 31 now <clears throat> and I mean, I'm still that guy that, that plays like football far too often. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still uh, the guy that um, I was like, I need to, I need to give back what I've learned from this game and more so along the lines of give back to my community that helped me so much. Yeah. And so what I did is um, during the 2020 season, that shortened season, abbreviated season, whatever you want to call it. Um, I reached out to my alma mater high school and I was like, Hey, it's funny because I was like, I was like, hey coach, like um I know offense like the back of my hand. Like I want to come down there and I want to like talk to the guys, whatever it is, pep talk coming from somebody who played there. They probably didn't even know who I was at the time. And uh he's like, All right, great. Like you're the quarterback coach. Here's your credentials to huddle. What? Like <laughs> so we have practice Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, like see them. I was wow. like, all right, I didn't, I didn't know that's what that was gonna be. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, I commuted a couple hours either direction, a couple times a week. I'd go down on Monday, hit practice, stay at my parents. Tuesday, go to practice, drive home Tuesday after practice, do the same thing Thursday, Friday. Um, and it was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. It was volunteer coaching. Um, I still have a relationship with a lot of the kids that I coached. One of them called me last night at 10 p.m. It's like, hey, coach, like, I need your advice. And I was like, all right, what's going on? He's a three-star right now recruit. Um, and he's like, hey, this school gave me an offer. This school gave me an offer. Like, what does it mean? Should I wait? Should I commit? Like, so we have these conversations, you know, and, and that was big for me because nobody did that for me in my recruiting process. Um, he, he, it's really important for the, for me at this stage of my life is to take, and I don't know, have it all figured out, but to take all the stuff that I've learned and the experiences I've learned and just put it out there wherever, whether it be podcast, whether it be book, whether it be social media, whether it be texting or calling people that I are talking to people that I know and love, um, and just letting them make their own decisions, you know, um, giving them my advice uh, and hoping that it steers them into whatever direction they want to be. And so when I say that, like coaching that, that one year that I did it, um, I definitely see it again in my future because I love the game of football. I more so love, um, the impact that you have on, I can speak on young men cause that's only who I've coached, mm-hmm. um, their lives and how influential you are at that point in your life. I can't tell you how many times that, I drive a couple, I mean, and I, I live, I'd be like, all right, guys, I just drove from 
Sacramento. Like, where the hell is Sacramento? Like, <laughs> no, no, I didn't know where Sacramento. I'd never been to Sacramento until I went to Sac State. Yeah. Um, and they don't know. Like, I'm like bending over backwards right now to go to an hour and a half practice, driving two hours each way. Um, but they're just so happy for me to be there. Yeah. And uh, you see them get better at something that you coach them on the day before and their face lights up when you're proud of them. And I don't know, man, it it is extreme. Me not having any children. It it was like, I mean, I felt like a 30 year old or 29 year old dad to a bunch of 17 year olds at the time, you know? Yeah, Um, for sure. And so from a playing career standpoint, that just hit home for me. Um, Sorry, not playing career, but it's just from a being engulfed in the game of football that really hit home for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and I, and I didn't mention this, I think I mentioned this last time we spoke on our other podcast, but, um, and you're also a business owner. So, right. you know, it, it gives some context. If people don't know you have, it's not like you're just, uh, you know, working a nine to five and there's a lot of coaches that do that, do a nine to five. And then they go coach your situation is a little bit different where you guys are the owner, you know, of all these different things. There's a lot more pressure, a lot more responsibility, and it's not like you can just always turn it off. And then you're also making that drive to do it. Um, and I know you probably don't look at it that way, but it's just one of those things where I think sometimes people don't maybe understand or truly appreciate what coaches do to influence the lives of young athletes. Because I mean, some of these men and women that are out there coaching, I mean, they're this, I mean, sometimes coaching can really put a strain on your life and they're, they're passionate about it. So they keep doing it, but it's like, I mean, it's a sacrifice for sure. Yeah. I've seen, obviously now the guys that I was coaching with, I, they were half of them were my coaches in, in high school. So That's I cool. talked to them and, and you see, and now I know some of the things that they were doing and I'm like, man, and, and to hear them talk behind closed doors too, you know, uh, yeah. it's, it's just funny to hear, but, um, <clears throat> it, you gain a, a massive amount of respect for, especially at the high school level. There's a lot of people that are out there volunteering their time because they love the game. They love being able to impact, um, young people and, to be able to be a part of that on the giving end versus the receiving end. Um, it was, it was extremely fulfilling. It was very tiresome. Um, it was frustrating, you know, cause I mean, when you're a player, you're like, all right, cool. I'm going to go do it. But when you're a coach, you're like, all right, you got to tell them what to go do. Right. And to see their faces light up when they do the right thing to see them shrug and get sullen or solemn when uh, they do the wrong thing. And it's like, all right, how do they, everything move so quickly? How can I positively affect their lives in this moment? Whether a kid throws a pick, drops a pick, fumbles the ball, like in me, I coached quarterbacks, right? So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. And so how, and how do you, how are you positively reinforcing them in each moment that they are on the field and then coming off the field? Right. Um, and so it was something that I'm not used to being a business owner. I work with a bunch of different personalities all the time. Um, you have to know how to communicate well with a lot of different personalities, a lot of different people. Um, and that definitely translated when it came to talking to some of these young men. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent. And I just want to point this out too. If, if, if you're listening right now and you don't follow Cody, on Instagram, number one, go do it. Cause it's a great follow. But number two, once you start following, you'll realize that he's still super competitive because he's out there on some high school football field, still running ladder drills and cone drills and running routes. Like oh, if, yeah. I, if I didn't know any better, man, I thought I would have think that you're, you're still playing. 
you know, if I just saw it from, you know, uh, from a distance. So, um, I imagine that that would be, that's where that frustration comes in. Cause you still have that competitive nature inside of you. And so, you know, obviously you're dealing with high schoolers and you understand that, but sometimes when that, um, when there's that lack, when there's that apathy, right. Um, in a young athlete, like, and like you said, you understand the importance of athletics and how much it affects your life. Um, and I've always told people like, I do this podcast, but I didn't, I, I didn't have like a, a crazy athletic career. I played baseball in high school, played a lot in my freshman and sophomore years, then didn't play much in my junior, senior years. So it's like, I, I'm not even, I don't have a background of D1 athletics, not even junior college, but I can look back and think, man, there's a lot of life lessons I've learned from those days, even sitting on the bench. Like there's even a lot of lessons you can learn from being a bench warmer or being someone who still has to, you know, show up to practice 100%. every day, even though, you know, you're not going to play it. And so looking back now at the age of 33 and doing this podcast, it's like, okay, there's a lot that you can learn from it. And so, man, I love what you said. And I love, I, I need to get my hands on that book that you have, um, because I think that would be, you know, such a great thing for anybody to understand like, and we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, like you're learning something incredibly valuable through sports and, you know, it may not seem like it now, but how many, how many guys have you coached or have you played with that when you talk to them now, you know, however many years after graduating from high school, they're like, man, do you remember when coach used to say this? Like, I get, I get it now. I understand what he's saying. But back then it's like, I don't want to hear this. Like, I just want to score a touchdown. I want to hit a home run. Just let me do my thing. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, man, everybody, yeah, every single sure. player, um, that has any sort of, um, self-awareness, right. Uh, has said that, you know, and I mean, obviously not every coach was right. And that's also, um, it's kind of like when you grow up and you see your, your parents are real people, you know, <laughs> like, all right, my parents aren't perfect. Yeah. You grow up and you see like, yeah, you know, the coach did suck. Like I know way more about football than him. I'm like, right. yeah, you did suck. But a lot right. of times it's a, yeah. the profound impacts that coaches had in my life, whether they be good or bad. Um, and I think back at some of the things that they were saying and whether they didn't did or didn't communicate it appropriately. You just think about some of the stupid even sayings that we have. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, I just have all the respect in the world for anybody, whether they be a good coach, bad coach, um, and by bad, I just mean like bad at their sport. I, I there is something to be said about um, coaches that go out there, understanding the impact they potentially have on these young people, and choose to be a negative influence in their life. There's a special place for those sort of people, you know. For sure. Um, that's why I, I don't usually talk about those bad coaches. But um, <clears throat> you go and you think about some of the things that that the coaches weren't always trying to teach me football. Right. Um, especially when I was like a bench warmer, right. My first couple of years that they, they were just teaching me how to be more confident in myself as a young man, you know, in all aspects of life, but definitely when it came to the field and how that translated over to who I was as a person. And, and you think about some of the stupid sayings that they had. I mean, I had this one coach. Oh, I loved to death. Coach Daniel, the Prado special teams coach, wide receivers coach. And okay. he would get up, run billion miles. He was, he was David Goggins before David Goggins. He was just running and you couldn't, yeah. he, he would die before he stopped running. Um, and he had this kick-ass attitude. And I remember we were doing like one of our conditioning tests was a 16, 110, 110 yard sprint. And we would, uh, we would, our, our, our strength coach passed away. Um, coach Brooks, who also had the most unreal sayings. One of my buddies, Markel just DM me the other day, like one of coach Brooks sayings. He's like, I said it in your voice. Cause we'd always like mock him and stuff. You know, how you are. That's awesome. kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Um, but nonetheless, <clears throat> Costa Prado, he took over, right? No extra pay, no nothing. He's like, I'm just going to get these kids conditioned because I know how to mentally prepare them because that's what a lot of conditioning is. And I remember we were running, we'd do like six of the 16 110s and he's, he'd yell out, he's like, how many more reps do you have? And I'd be like, 10. And he'd be like, no. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> he'd, be like, he'd be like, 10. We'd be like, 10. He'd be like, no, you have one more rep. He's like, all I want you to do is care about, care about the next rep. I'm uh, like, what the hell, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we get we do yeah. five five more and he's like how more reps we're like five more he's like no one and we're like what the hell and then now we're tired on? we're losing track in our head how many yeah. reps are actually doing <laughs> but in reps and he tries teaching us in that moment we're dead tired it's sacramento it's 115 degrees yeah. on the turf um nonetheless uh you look back at it and you're like this man was trying to teach us something infinitely important that is profound yeah um you really can't try to look at the bigger picture without losing sight of what's right ahead of you or else you're never going to get there, you know, right. and that translates to all aspects of life. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love, so I love that's that, like man. one little tidbit that I should probably bring more often. No, I, I love that. And that's, and again, man, that's, that's something we've asked uh, people in the past, like, what is that one lesson or that one phrase or, you know, that one thing that one of your coaches taught you that still to this day has stuck with you. So that's a great one, man. I love that. Um, so I want to ask this, I'm almost, I'm almost hesitant to even ask this question because I feel like, it, you know, we'll have to have you back on, man, if you'd be willing to, cause I feel like there's not enough time to talk about this one thing, of course. but I feel like I've seen it a lot on your, um, uh, fill the gap podcast, your clips on Instagram, um, some of your posts and something that you mentioned about, there's a special place for the coaches that decide to have a negative impact or decide to use their athletes as pawns, basically to win a game rather than have an impact on their life. And I think obviously, you know, a couple of guys on this podcast, we've, I've had male coaches, you've had male coaches played with male athletes my whole life. Um, masculine, masculinity, man, like you've, I feel like you talk quite a bit on this. And like I said, I'm almost hesitant to even bring this up right now. Cause we only have like 25 more minutes, um, because it's a big topic. And I feel like coaches have a, have an opportunity to have a huge impact on an athlete's views of masculinity, masculinity, both good and bad. And I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it. Some coaches, I'm like, man, I don't know if that's going to be the best. I don't know if your guys are going to walk away with the best view of what that's supposed to look like. And then I, I know the other coaches, I'm like, man, you're probably the best model that these guys could have been around of what that truly looks like. So um, it's kind of a big question, but like, how do you feel sports and coaches can impact and, and how, how should they impact a, a young man's idea and view of masculinity? Right. So, I mean, obviously that, that is a big question. And, yeah. um, I truly believe that, especially at that age, um, we're talking about the high school age, yeah. you have such a massive, massive impact on how young men, and I can only speak on those, those athletes view masculinity and how they carry that through a majority of the rest of their life, unless something shakes them straight. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is <clears throat> we are often taught that masculinity is the toughest, the strongest, the fastest, the, the most promiscuous, the, the sometimes meanest, you know, the um, one that's going to jest and poke fun at the maybe a weaker person to make them feel worse about themselves because that is the quote unquote like jock, right? Sure. It's the guy that everybody likes and makes everybody laugh at the um, expense of others at times. Um, and 
coaches can perpetuate that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's tough coming from me because I've lived both sides. So I have been in situations and even partaken in situations where <clears throat> you almost try to demoralize somebody else to make yourself feel better in the Oklahoma drill, right? Sure. Um, you're talking about being competitive and you're running one-on-ones and you embarrass somebody and you really throw salt on the wound with the taunting, the things that you say, getting under their skin, attacking their person. Um, and when we talk about sports and, and football specifically, it is a very humbling game quickly because there are multiple reps. There are 80 to 120 snaps a game, whether depending on what side of the ball you're playing on, depending on the flow of the game goes. Um, and so that's 80 to 120 opportunities for you to look dumb or make someone else look dumb at times, you know? Sure. Um, and I am the biggest advocate of playing within the whistle, keeping it between the lines. And it is so, so tough to compartmentalize masculinity in the between the lines. Um, because if you aren't really confident in the person, the player, the man that you are, you are going to carry this with you like a burden for the rest of your life. And I've seen guys who have done it. And what I mean by that is <clears> – <throat> If you are supremely confident in the person that you are and your confidence was instilled in you by your coach, um, by your peers, by the other men on your team, by the, your, the people around you, uh, then you're not necessarily going to be the best. Uh, if, you, if you are, if that was instilled in you and that's who you are, then you can go out there, give the next play your best effort you can make a tackle for loss, embarrass the guy ahead in front of you, whatever the hell it might be. And as soon as the whistle blows, you're there picking him up. You're there making him feel better about it because you know that that could be you and any other play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how you interact with people and how people feel around you, I believe is one of the biggest um, indicators of your true masculinity. Um, and what I mean by that in a team setting is – I walk into a locker room. I'm a senior in high school, senior in college, whatever the hell it is. I'm top dog, right? Mm-hmm. There's somebody that maybe has some um, potential, maybe doesn't have potential, but maybe they're a freshman. Maybe they're a little bit older and shaky confidence. They are what I would view as like an easy target, right? There's somebody that you can easily make fun of. There's somebody that you can easily call out. There's somebody that you can easily not bring up to your level because they're uh, an easy target. Like I said, Um, that's where you see a lot of the toxic masculinity because we try to make ourselves feel better by putting others down and um, as soft as this sounds, right? Because that's one of the words that you throw out there, toxic masculinity, like, oh, this guy's soft, right? Um, When you look at the bigger, bigger picture, it only benefits you to have the strongest team and pick up the weakest links, right? So yep. it, be- it would benefit me supremely on this team if that person was that much stronger. And how am I going to make that person feel that much stronger? I'm going to make them feel more confident when they're around me. So rather than cower down when I walk into a room, they're going to be like, oh, there's Cody. Like, I'm going to go talk to Cody. I'm going to talk to on the field. I feel okay asking him questions. I feel okay going up against him. I feel okay trying to get him better, right? Versus right. just cowering down because it doesn't do me any good if the person across from me cowers away because they are that stripped of their confidence. This translates over to outside of the world as well, too, right? You talk 
talk about your peers, if you have a bunch of people around you that you just feel like you are um, superior to constantly, then are you really going to be the best version of yourself? Because you're constantly suppressing the people underneath you. And you're just saying like, all right, I only keep people around me that I know that I'm better than so that I just look better than all the time. Mm -hmm. So when you're challenged in real life by somebody that maybe is on your level, that's when you see people resort to fighting, name calling, yelling, trying to cancel people, whatever the hell it might, it might be. Um, And that's what I talk about when I'm thinking of, how true masculinity is viewed as being someone that lifts up those around them that they feel safe around. When you talk about men, women or male, female relationships, or even romantic relationships. Yeah. I've been told and I've heard that true masculinity that isn't toxic, um, provides safety to in like these relationships. Right. Mm. And I don't mean just physical safety or anything like that. That's not necessarily what somebody's seeking for, but you have, and you feel or that your partner feels safe with you, emotionally safe, spiritually safe. They feel like they can come and talk to you about anything, right? That same kid that you maybe would have made fun of in the locker room that you didn't and you lifted them up and you made them feel more confident and you made them feel like they could talk to you and come to you about everything. So now your relationship's tighter and the team is better is the same girlfriend that you've had, that you've mm-hmm. made her feel comfortable and confident and you make her feel like she can come to you and talk to you about anything. Cause now that team, your, your pair is better and your marriage and whatever the hell it might be. Right. Yeah. And so these things, when we talk about coaches and how we can uplift them, you have to really set the example and kids and young men are extremely observant. They are constantly looking at the things that you're doing and how you treat other players maybe. And so if you are the type of person, type of coach that's going to be uplifting, teaching them how to be better people, then it translates over your players. And then the players, it moves up the ranks with them and it translates over to their personal life and their friendships in college. And then maybe their girlfriend and then maybe their wife and then maybe their ex-wife and then maybe the next wife and whatever the hell it might be. Right. Yeah. And you really don't understand in the moment until you're older about how impactful you can be to these young people and really make, what do I say? Like vibrations throughout that resonate throughout the rest of their life, um, oh, yeah. especially around masculinity, because so much of how we interact with people on a daily basis is tied to, I guess how, how it sounds, I'm sounding dumb, how masculine you are, not how toxic and masculine you are. Right. No, and that, that, was, that was great, man. Uh, I appreciate you kind of breaking that down a little bit for us because I think that's, you know, it's a huge part of it. And, we, and I think every day we've seen examples of, of both great, uh, great men that are doing great things and then are, are promoting a positive image of what that's, or not a positive image, a positive example of what that looks like. And then you have the exact opposite. And, um, <clears throat> and like you said, athletes are, like what you said about athletes being observant too. And it's not, they're not just observing what you're saying or what you're, you know, you're teaching them with the X's and O's, but they're going to see how, I mean, especially with football, man, and you can speak to this more, but like football, every team I've gone to, every time I've, I've spoken to every practice I've gone to, like football just feels a little bit different because of the way that it's one game a week. You guys have a lot of teams have that Thursday night, you know, team dinner, 
Um, a lot of times families are involved in that team dinner, uh, coaches, wives might be involved in that team dinner. And so there's a lot of opportunities to see the interactions with a coach's family, with his wife, you know, all these different things, referees, you know, they see how they treat the referees during a game too. And, and we've seen some unfortunate examples of that recently. Um, but you know, they, they get to see all of this stuff. And so if, if your life and the way you live is not lined up with what you're teaching these athletes on the field, then they're not going to buy into it. Right. Like, it's like, okay, cool. Coach says one thing, but like, we've seen how he treats people at the grocery store. Yeah. We've seen how he treats people, yeah. you know, in the classroom, maybe, maybe it's a, a, a teacher coach. And it's like, we can't buy into what this dude's saying because he's, you know, it's hypocritical. So, um, I think that's something it's, it's a lot of pressure. Like we keep saying it, but like coaching is a lot of pressure, not just on your personal life, but like, there's a lot of pressure to live up to the example and the words that you're speaking. So, you know, it's something to keep in mind if you're a coach, you know, it's a, it's a big job. It really is. It, it is the closest you can get to being a parent yeah. without being a parent. Right. Um, especially when you are around them so often, one of my really good friends from college is, is a coach at a uh, big time school um, and best dad, yeah. best husband, not perfect by any means. It's still, yeah. he's still yeah, himself. Yeah. Right. Sure. But, uh, we were playing and we were playing in college and the integrity on this kid, the work ethic. And I'm like, this guy is just going to be a good person overall. And now I think, and I'm like, this is the guy that I would want coaching my son. If I had one, Yeah. Um, I just texted him this morning and I was like, Hey, check out this kid out that I coached. I was like, he's X star athlete. I was like, whatever, whatever. I trust your opinion on it. Right. Mm. <clears throat> and the point that you're making, um, as I said, young men and people in general are very perceptive, when you're around people all the time and they see you treat the janitor like shit, right? They are going to look at you and be like, "Well, why would I listen to you? And how are you going to get up there and talk to me about integrity? How are you going to get up there and talk to me about any sort of camaraderie and teamwork and respect?" Um, because they see that it's just not. It's but if you that's what they always say. If you lose a team, they don't respect you then you might as well, that's when coaches get fired. Right. Right. Um, having the respect and having the buy-in from a team I've seen it. And it's crazy there. Cause there's so many, so many guys on the football team. I've seen teams go two and 11 and then the very next year go 11 and two. Right. And it's like, what changed? Like there's not a lot of turnover, um, but the team bought in. Right. So part of it is that, yeah. you know, and that, buying in almost speaks solely to your personality as a coach. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's well, big. No, it's huge. And you know, something I just thought of as you were, as you were saying that too, obviously we're looking at this from the perspective of an athlete looking at their coach and, and the hypocritical behavior and them saying like, well, why would I buy in? There's also the other side of that too, is where an athlete may not recognize uh, the hypocritical behavior and they might buy into what the coach is selling. <laughs> And yeah. then also see the example they're setting and then see nothing wrong with that. And then it just perpetuates this, this negative example of what a man should look like or what a leader should look like. And there's that, there's that, you know, possibility too, where what the coach is doing, an athlete fully buys in without any critical thinking. And all of a sudden now you have another mini me that's going to be out there doing the same thing. And, and now you have yeah. this negative influence that continues to, to spread. Kind of like you were saying with the vibrations, right? Like you have the good vibrations that are, you're kind of creating great people that are doing great things. The other side of it is you could be sending a ripple effect through a person's life where 15 years down the road, they're having all these issues and it could, you could kind of, you know, realize it stems back to some of those influences. 
Right. And, and that's what I, I try to say, like, uh, or try to say rather, like, if you are a, a coach, you are damn near becoming a parent, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of people out there who aren't fit parents and you don't always get the choice whether or not you're going to be a parent, right? <clears throat> but you do always get the choice of whether you're not going to, whether or not you're going to be a coach, right? So sure. if you take this rule, you take this responsibility and I urge the same if you choose to be a parent, right? Um, you need to understand that what you do will affect not just your life, but so many people's lives um, positively or negatively. And so you got to take it seriously. It's a, just a choice that you're making. Like I love football, <clears throat> but maybe I'm just an asshole. Right. So I'm, maybe I'm just not going to be a coach. Yeah. Right. You can right. watch it on Sunday. You could watch it on YouTube, whatever the hell you want to do. Right. Um, watch it from the stands, but maybe you're not the best suited to be a coach. There are a lot of football. There's a lot of coaches that don't know a lot about football but they just know how to get the most out of young men. There's a coach, a uh, very controversial coach, coach Jason Brown. Um, right. Yeah, right. Very controversial yeah. coach viewed as an asshole from a lot of people, but he has a, sure. a famous, not famous. I, I don't know. I read his book and I was just, here's a quote that says, uh, it doesn't really matter what plays we call. He's like, if you get these kids to believe in you and they'll run through a brick wall for you. And he will be the first to say he's like I, he understands football right i've watched some of his stuff but be the first to say like if these kids buy in he's like that's what we need he's like you recruit the guy recruit the right talent obviously at different coaching levels juco versus like you can't go out there and not know football if you're trying to coach in the nfl or right. even at the upper level of the fcs <laughs> sure. It'd be a problem. yes yeah um <clears throat> but uh, at certain levels especially at the high school level you get some good athletes you get them to buy in and you let them let them have fun doing it you can go win games right Oh, for sure. And so, uh, while I don't agree with everything that Coach Brown says, sure, um, he makes he makes some good points in in that regard. You know, um, when when you can get a bunch of people to buy into who you are as an individual, good or bad, like we said, um, you can find some success. Is that success going to be immediate? Is it going to be lasting? Is it going to be long term? What kind of what's your version of success? A lot of times you want to make sure that you need long lasting success, right? So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that long lasting success yeah. is not just the the wins and losses, even though obviously we want to win, we want to win section titles, state championships, all that. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're not having that using that platform to have a positive influence in your athletes and make them better people, then it, like you said, it's not gonna be a long lasting thing. It's gonna be yeah. short lived. You, you want to win and now you got the whole new NIL thing too. You got kids right. getting paid. So right. You need to make sure that you're just making good people because right. you don't want shitty people with money. We already have enough shitty people with money in America. Right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, come on. You want to make sure that these kids are making sound decisions. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a whole different podcast that we can get into, but yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, so we got you for a few more minutes here, man. I want to make, like I said, I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time, but um, like, like I was saying before, semi-joking, but very serious at the same time, uh, you're a competitor. It's obvious right. you're, you're an entrepreneur. Um, it's just obvious from the clips. I mean, the, you know, whether you're lifting weights, whether you're, like I said, running routes, whether you're playing softball or, uh, flag football, this is obvious Like you just competition is in your veins. Right. And, you know, depending on the person you talk to, sometimes they feel like that's, that can be a negative thing, right? Like there's a, sometimes a negative stereotype behind competition, but I think us as, you know, me, a much lesser athlete, you played at a higher level, but anybody who played sports and anybody who's competitive understands like, no, if you use competition in the right way, 
then there's, there's what there's competing against your opponent and there's competing for, or with the people that are, that are next to you, you as a, as a business owner, you as a, a boss and a leader, um, that competition can, as you mentioned before, elevate everybody. Like if, you know, you, you're going as hard as you can and the person next to you sees that it's like, well, it inspires and challenges them. So they want to reach their highest level as well. So just very simply, like how important is it to compete like every single day, no matter what you're doing? You have to, um, what a, that I have a thing. I not think that actually Michael Scott said it and I have her value is that, uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so if I'm taking the garbage out, I'm going to be the best person to take the garbage out. If I'm cleaning the floors, if I'm doing business, if I'm running routes, whatever the hell it is, because the moment that you stop competing with yourself, this is the moment you start getting complacent and you just start to see other aspects of your life falter. And so that's why I'm constantly like, I don't, I don't play like, like football, football anymore. Right. But I'm in the gym every single morning at 6 30 AM. Like I'm about to be playing on this Saturday. Right. Um, I'm, and I can't talk about it too much, but I'm getting with a group of guys and we're going to go attempt a couple world records, fitness world records. Oh, nice. Um, just because we, you, you need like a healthy dose of competition, as long as it stays between the lines is amazing for who you are as an individual. Um, it's amazing for the people around you, as long as it stays between the lines and as long as it's always done respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more, man. Um, do you ever, do you ever like have this like dream or thought, like, would you just love to put the pads on like, you know, one more time? Oh yeah. If somebody, if any, any team called today, I'd be there out there tomorrow. I love it. If you, if you can go back to one, one moment in your playing career, like if you could just kind of go back in, not necessarily like do it over, but like, if you could go back in and experience the feeling of one moment of your athletic career, what would that moment be? There's nothing like playing in front of tens of thousands of fans. Um, it is the most nerve wracking thing. I tell everybody, so I used to kick return in high school. Yeah. And I was on kickoff return or kickoff in college every single time. So I was out there for the first play of every game that I ever played in, especially this play, right? Um, and the amount of nerves that you get, maybe call it anxiousness, maybe call it butterflies, whatever the hell you want to do. But like it, yeah. it is, <clears throat> it's something that you can't really put words to. Definitely when I was a kick returner, um, you until you hit that first crack of the pads, there's so much, so many nerves that are just fluttering through your body. And it is the most anxiety riddled thing that you can think of. And it's the worst feeling and the best feeling at the same time. Cause as soon as that plays over, you're able to take a deep breath and you're like, all right, cool. I'm just playing football. I've been doing this for years. <clears throat> and that's such a parallel to life when we're doing, we've done the same thing over and over and over over and over again but for some reason sometimes we get nervous when we're doing it and, it and it affects the way that our chemical makeup is in our brain it affects our performance and as long as you realize <clears throat> all right cool i'm going to be good then you can go be successful in whatever you are whether it be walking up to a girl at a bar but just <laughs> doing your job walking in talk yeah. to your boss whatever it is you know yeah um you're going to be okay life definitely moves on there's always the next play yep i love it that could be the title of your next book, man. There's always the next play. I like it. Um, so last question for you, man. And, and I want to, I, I have a ton more about like, I, I don't even know why I wrote down so many questions because I, I, I knew we were going to get to this many. 
Um, tell us a little bit about the Fill the Gap podcast, why you started it, when you started it, and then what's the what's the purpose behind it? Um, so why I started it is strictly because I've I've taken so I, I'm I'm such an advocate for taking what you've learned in the game of me specifically football, but definitely just being an athlete and the amount of adversity that you've had to face, the amount of um, consistency that you've had to learn, discipline that you've had to learn. And a lot of times people don't know what to do with it after they're done playing. And a lot of times people don't even realize that they have it. Um, I think that being an athlete, whether it doesn't matter what your sport is, is one of the most valuable things that you could ever do. And so when I started the podcast, um, the whole premise of the podcast is I played linebacker in college, right? And one of the most difficult things that you'll ever have to do is filling the gap. Power downhill, you have to spill the guard, fill the B gap. That's your responsibility. It's a hell of a thing to have to do, right? If you dance around the hole, then the running back's going to gash you. Football term doesn't really matter. The point of behind it is that if you don't face this gap head on, you let your team down. If you don't face your problems in life head on, you're not going to be successful at them, right? So fill the gap was kind of birthed, um, for lack of a better term, with the idea that so many parallels that have happened in my playing career and everybody else's playing career are strictly just that parallels, the thing that have happened in my life, whether it be relationships, career, um, romantic relationships, uh, friend relationships, parent, son, whatever it might be. Um, and then things I'm going to face in the future. And the feedback that I've gotten from a lot of people has been great because they've essentially been like, um, Hey, I didn't realize that you were somebody that also dealt with these things. I was like, dealt with these things. I've, I've been dealing with them since I was playing football, right? There's somebody that <laughs> talked to me today and they asked a question about how do you break the cycle of continuing to repeat doing the same things over and over expecting different results. Hmm. And I just had a podcast on it. I was like, well, why don't you listen to the podcast, dude? But yeah, I yeah. sent him a podcast Check episode out, yeah. <laughs> about spinning your wheels and consistently doing the same thing over and over. And how do you break these habits? Right. And it's like, whether that person played sports or not, and I know that he actually did, um, there's so, just so many parallels. And so the reason why I started is because um, a lot of the content that I put out there is very, definitely fitness focused, right? Um, this is getting inside the mind of myself and just helping like people understand that you can take a lot of the issues that we face in life are, are seem insurmountable. But if you take them down and you just break them down into the X's and O's, you can win that play. You can win that play today. And then tomorrow you go on to the next play. Yeah. I love it, man. Uh, if you don't check out his podcast after that description, then you weren't listening because that was awesome. And if you're a coach or an athlete, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, make sure you go follow, follow Cody, man. Where can they follow you? Um, um I mean, you guys, man, since last time we spoke, it's like your, your social media presence has doubled. But where do you want them to follow you, man? I'm always the same on all of them. It's just the Cody Allen. That's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Unfortunately, I'm on TikTok now. I'm oh, not got, dancing got, on TikTok. They got you, huh? They got I, me. Yeah. I still haven't done it. I, I refuse to uh, do it. I can't do it. I'm also I I can't do any of the stuff that they do on TikTok. So I'm like, it'd be pointless for me. Exactly. Um, I have a website, thecodyallen.com. You can buy my book there. You can ebooks. You can just talk to me. That's a big thing too. If you guys just want to talk about stuff, just flesh it out. I mean, I promise I generally answer all DMs as long as they're appropriate. 
Um, right. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, and it, and, and it helps me a lot if people DM me what their thought processes are, because I take that and I talk about it because, and I'll, I guess I'll kind of close with this. A lot of times, a lot of issues in life, um, we don't, don't know how to do with them because we think that we are the only ones that are dealing with this. Nobody's dealt with it before. Um, so we don't feel like we are unrelatable to everybody else. And so when somebody talks to me about something, I talk about it on the podcast, there are tons, tens, 20, 30, 40 people that are like, I didn't realize other people were struggling with this. Right. And that's what makes social media so good um, at times is that we can relate to a lot of people. So find me on the Cody on whatever the hell you want. There you go. So uh, go follow him. And uh, hey, man, we, as always, we appreciate your time. We appreciate the influence that you're having uh, on your own home team uh, out in the, the Roanoke Park area. And obviously everything you're doing here in our home team of Sacramento, man, we're appreciative of everything you do. We're thankful that you're part of our home team, man. And uh, we just look forward to everything that you've got coming up, especially this, uh, this, this world record stuff that you kind of alluded to. We're looking forward to following that journey, man. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, there you go. All right, man. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Appreciate you.